to the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verse 11. Glory to God. We know as a precursor to the book of Revelation, we're talking about understanding the end times. And I hope you're getting something out of this and you're learning some things. Come on, say amen, somebody. Because when you couple to get together with the book of Revelations, you have greater understanding. Hallelujah. So we talked about the rapture of the church. Amen. Glory to God. We've already talked about the judgment seat of Christ. We talked about Daniel 70 weeks. Glory to God. We talked about the temple discourse in Matthew chapter 21 through 23. Amen. And last week we talked about the tribulation in Matthew 24. Glory to God. And if you haven't been with us, you need to get the CDs. Amen. But once again, the book of Matthew contains more from the teaching of Jesus than any other of the, any other of the four Gospels. It contains the Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5 through 7, the Kingdom Parables in chapter 13, the Temple Discourse in chapter 21 through 23, the Ovalette Discourse in chapters 24 and 25, which are the events leading up to the second coming of Jesus. Now we know that Olivet Course takes place on the Mount of Olives. Now, the three other gospel records record segments of the sermon, but Matthew records the sermon almost in its entirety. Amen? Now, to understand this passage, is more, it's important to understand that Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 are presented in chronological order. Are you following me out here? See, the chapter separation was not necessary between the chapters because Matthew 25 is simply a continuation of the very same sermon. It's a what? It's a what? Of the very same sermon. So let's talk today. We're going to talk about the second coming. Which as we know. Is at the end. Of the seven year. Tribulation. Somebody say second coming. We're not talking about the rapture. We're talking about what? Don't get those two confused. There's a difference between the rapture and the what? Second coming. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, during the time of the tribulation, the church, somebody say us, will be judged in heaven at the judgment seat of Christ, or it's also referred to as the reward seat of Christ. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. But also during that time, Many multitude, millions of people will receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Yes, amen. At the end of the seven years of the tribulation, the church, we will return with Jesus at his second coming. Yes, amen. Let me say it again. At the end of the seven years of tribulation, the church will what? Return with Jesus at the what? Second coming. When Jesus returns... The earth will be filled with both believers and unbelievers. Let me say it again. We're talking about what? The second what? We're not talking about the rapture. We're talking about what? We're not talking about the rapture. We're talking about the what? Because I can't, I cannot allow you to get those two mixed up. Amen. Once again, when Jesus returns, the second coming, the earth will be filled with both believers and unbelievers. And as we mentioned last week, evangelism will go from zero to worldwide in a brief seven-year period. And when Jesus returns, what he'll do in that second coming, he will separate believers from unbelievers. Look at Matthew 3.11. He will do what? Now, are we talking about the rapture? We're talking about what? Because the rapture is already taking place. Amen. So here in Matthew 3, 11, it says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is what? Mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the what? Holy Ghost and with fire. Somebody say Holy Ghost and fire. Because that's what this year is, the year of Holy Ghost and fire. Verse 12, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly what? Purge his floor and notice this. And gather his wheat into the garden, but he will burn up the what? Chaff with what? Unquenchable fires. 
See, in these verses, believers are called to weep. Believers are what? Called to weep. And the unbelievers are called the, the child. Now, it is difficult to distinguish the difference between the wheat and the child. Matthew chapter 13 talks about the difficulty of distinguishing between the wheat and the tares. You ever heard read that before? Both cases are what? Are descriptions of the believer and the unbeliever. Somebody say the believer and the unbeliever. But in both cases, the wheat is kept. Listen to me now. In both cases, the wheat is kept and the chaff or tares are burned up. The wheat are what? And the chapter what? Burn up. Now, Matthew 13 also compares believers and unbelievers with good fish and bad fish. And the good fish are kept and the bad fish are thrown away. Now, Matthew 25 gives an analogy of sheep or believers and goats, unbelievers. Sheep are what? Goats are what? Unbelievers. Now, at the end of the tribulation, the believers who are born again, listen to me now, who are born again during the tribulation will be separated from the unbelievers. You got that? Once again, we're not talking about the what? Rapture. We're talking about what? The second coming. Once again, at the end of the tribulation, at the end of the seven-year period, that you don't want to be here during. We're not talking about you believers. We're talking about the believers that were born again during the tribulation will be separated from the unbelievers. And those believers will go into the millennium reign of Lord Jesus Christ and be rewarded. Come on, with me out there. Unbelievers, on the other hand, will go into hell and wait for the great white throne judgment where they will be sentenced to the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Amen. Now, many rewards will be given to the believers on the earth at that time. Why? Because these are the survivors. These are the ones that survived the tribulation period as believers. Say, neighbor, they survived. They will have children. They will have natural bodies, but longevity will be restored on the earth. Amen. It re- it, listen. Longevity will be restored to the very same time period or similar to the days of Noah when people lived for hundreds of years. The curse will be lifted from the earth. Life will be comparable to the Garden of Eden, folks. And even though man will still have the nature of the flesh, the earth will be perfect. Somebody say the earth will be perfect. Now, at the beginning of the millennium, What's the millennium? A thousand year reign. After what? After the seven year tribulation. Okay, just checking. Some of y'all is mumbling. I'm just going to try to, I'm just going to lip sync it just to act like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. But at the beginning of the millennium, Only Christians will be on the earth. There will be no Satan. There will be no demons. And there will be no unbelievers. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. And because the curse will have been lifted, hindrances will be removed. And Jesus will rule and reign. Understand this. Hindrances to having children will be removed. The earth will proliferate with children and finances. Somebody should say amen. Amen. But think about this. But even with everything in a perfect state, some will still reject the Lord during the millennium. And at that time of the millennium, those who reject Jesus will be rounded up by Satan for one last battle. That's at the end of the book of Revelations. We ain't there yet. We ain't studying that right now. But look at Matthew 24, 29. Matthew 24, verse 29. Notice it says, immediately after what? After what? After what? 
After the tribulation of those days shall the what? Sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall not fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be what? Shaken. And then shall appear the sign of who? The Son of Man where? In heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth do what? Mourn. Now, this does not happen at the rapture. The sun will keep shining at the rapture. The moon will keep shining at the rapture. And the stars will keep shining at the rapture. See, when Jesus returned at the rapture, only Christians will see him. And only Christians will rise and meet him in the air. That's at the what? That's at... Y'all pray for Carrie. When Jesus returned at the rapture, only Christians will see him and rise they meet him in the air. What is that? The rapture. You get a C plus because you, you missed the first test. <laughs> Unbelievers will only see that one minute. They'll see one minute believers are here. And then the next thing they know, they'll see the next minute they're gone. That's the only thing believers will see. One minute they'll see you, the next thing you know, poof, you disappear. But listen to me now, but at the second coming, every eye will see him. Both believer and unbeliever. Now the best way to describe what will happen at the second event or the second coming Listen, it will be exactly opposite of the rapture. It'll be what? It'll be exactly what? Opposite of the rapture. See, at the second coming, unbelievers will be removed from the earth. And believers will remain. At the rapture, what happens? Believers are removed and the unbelievers what? Remain. But at the second coming, what happens? The unbelievers will be removed from the earth, and the believers will what? Come on, are you getting this? The believers will what? So you see the difference. Do you see the difference between the rapture and the second coming? Once again, because I got to make sure you get it. At the rapture, who's being removed? Who's remaining? At the second coming, who's being removed? Who's remaining? (laughs) Matthew 24, 30. Let's finish that up. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his what? His what? Elect from the four winds. From one end of heaven to the what? Other. Well, who are the elect? Remember, we're talking about what? Tribulation. The elect are believers. The elect will be gathered together for protection from the wrath of God, which will be poured out on the earth. Amen. And see, God's wrath will fall on all the unbelievers. And the angels will help protect believers from that day so that they will not be harmed. But we're talking about which kind of, which, which believers are we talking about? Believers that are born again during the tribulation. <laughs> that's why I got to go over and over and over again because y'all be getting confused. We're talking about that. That's me. No, it ain't you. You're gone. <laughs> <laughs> now, you want to stay down here and be with the unbelievers, that's on you. But I'm not going to be here. Tell you that, I'm not going to be here. Amen. So when Jesus returns to establish his kingdom, all unbelievers who were on the earth at the end of the tribulations, let me say it again. When Jesus returns at the second coming to establish his kingdom, all the unbelievers who were on the earth at the end of the tribulation will be sentenced to hell for a thousand years. That's a long time. That's why you don't want to be here. 
Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? See, hell is not the final stop. Hell is simply or merely a, a waiting place for the final call, amen, or the final place, which is called the lake of fire. You think hell is bad enough. <laughs> Imagine that lake of fire. You'll be burning and burning and burning forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. But go to Matthew 24, 32, and we look at the parable of the fig tree. The parable of the fig tree. Now learn a parable of the what? Of the what? Fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and put afore leaves or buds, you know that what? You know that what? Summer is nigh. Now throughout the word of God, Israel is seen as a fig tree. And summer is the millennium. Somebody say summer is the millennium. Now, buds come out in spring, and spring indicates what? That summer is near. Come on, when you see spring coming, you know summer's right around there. Summer's right around there. So when Israel begins to bud and blossom, we know what? The millennium, which he's saying is a summer, we know the millennium is what? Very, very what? Near. Well, the question is, how near? Notice the next verses. Verse 33, so likewise, ye, when you shall see all these things, know that it is what? Yeah. Know that it is what? Near, even at the what? Doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words yeah. shall not what? pass away now notice it says the generation that will not pass is the generation that sees the fig tree begin to bud the generation that will not pass is the generation that sees all these things previously mentioned come to pass I'm talking about the tribulation, the sun, the moon, the stars being dark and Jesus coming back as lightning from the what? from the east to the west angels protecting people from the wrath of God the generation that sees the fig tree blossom and bud, that generation will not pass away until all these things come to pass. Now, although these verses are referring to the Pacific group of people, it's also referring to a Pacific length of time. Now, there's much debate about what entails a generation. Some say a generation is 40 years. Some say a generation is 60 years. Now, it's somewhere in the span of 40 to 60 years is considered a generation. In the span of what? 40 to 60 years. Repetition is good for you. <laughs> That's why you need to say it when I say it. Because repetition is good for you. Come on, say amen, somebody. Look at verse 32 of Matthew. It says, Matthew 24, 32. Where did I get 35 at? Matthew 24, 32. When his bread, bread branch is yet tender and put it forth leaves, you know that what? You know that what? Summer's what? No. This tells us when Israel, the fig tree, bring forth buds, the millennium is very near. That's why you always keep your eye on Israel. Think about this. In 1948, Israel became a nation. In 1966, they regained the city of Jerusalem. They are budding folks. Now, the problem that people have over the years, men have tried to speculate and calculate when the rapture of the church will occur based on these significant dates in Israel. But every time they guess, guess what? They've always been wrong. Come on, say amen, somebody. But I personally believe that we are the generation that will see his return. I'm talking about, talking about the rapture now. I believe we are the generation that will see his return. See, sometime in our general lifetime, I believe we will be raptured. And seven years later, we will re return with the Lord at the second event and the second company. And we will rule and reign with him.
I understand this when it comes to Scripture. Every verse of Scripture has one interpretation and many applications. Has what? And many applications. See, y'all listening. That's good. Amen. In the portion of Scripture following, there are many applications, but we're going to study the interpretation. Somebody say the interpretation. Now, to study the interpretation, the verse must be kept in context. In what? Context. Again, Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 are in chronological order. And that's how we're going to examine them. They're in what? Order. Look at verse 36. It says, but of that day and hour, what? No, of no man, not the angels of heaven, but my what? My father what? Only. Now, keep this event in context. The day being referred to is not the rapture. The day being referred to is the second event or the second coming. Are you following me out here? This verse says the father alone knows when that day will occur. Who knows? Come on, who knows? Verse 37 goes on to say, but notice this now, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the what? The coming of the Son of Man be. This is not the what? This is not the what? Come on, Carrie, you can say that loud, you know. <laughs> he's trying to be real careful now. This is not the what? This is the what? Second coming. <laughs> this, reverse, this verse is referring to the second event or the second coming. Again, these verses is the section of Scripture that are chronological. Somebody say chronological. What happens? Immediately following the tribulation, Jesus will come back as lightning from the east to the west. Angels will gather together his elect or the believers, and they'll protect them from the what? From the, from the wrath of God to come. Are you following me out here? Unbelievers will be what? Removed from the earth. We're talking about second coming. Unbelievers will be what? Unbelievers will be what? Removed from the earth. And believers will what? Enter into the millennium reign of Jesus Christ. Turn to Jude chapter 1 verse 14. Jude, right before the book of Revelations. There's only one chapter. Verse 14. If you want to cheat, just look at the screen. <laughs> Jude 14. And Enoch also. Somebody say Enoch. Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, he prophesies of these. The deeds he's talking about are false prophets spoken of in the previous verses. We're talking about the same type of false prophets that are seen rising up in our day. Come on, say amen, somebody. And they will appear throughout the tribulation period. In fact, Jesus warned us there's going to be more false prophets will arise during the tribulation than the world has ever seen. Amen. 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 But notice it says, Enoch prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his what? The Lord cometh what? 10,000 of his saints. To do what? To execute judgment. Upon all and convince all that are what? That are what? Ungodly among them of all their what? Ungodly deeds which they have what? Ungodly committed. And all of their what? Hard speeches which what? Ungodly sinners have spoken against them. Now Enoch prophesied and said he saw the Lord coming with 10,000 of his saints. To execute what? Judgment on the earth against all sinners. Come on, say amen, somebody. Especially the false prophets who led others astray during that day. Now, understand this. It's interesting that Enoch had a vision of the second coming of the Lord. How far back was Enoch? All the way back in Genesis. But he had a what? Vision of the second coming of the Lord. Genesis tells us. That Enoch 
Who? Enoch didn't walk with God until he had a son named Methuselah. Anybody ever heard of the name of Methuselah? For you Bible readers. For you non-Bible readers, you need to go back and read it in chapter 5. <laughs> Amen. But Genesis tells us that Enoch didn't walk with God until he had his son named Methuselah. Now, apparently, if you read it, he had not lived a godly life prior to Methuselah's birth. But the question is, what caused Enoch to decide to live a godly life? The answer is found in the name Methuselah. Name what? Methuselah. Methuselah means when he dies, it shall fall. Did you hear me? When he what? Dies, it shall fall. What's it mean? It shall fall. Now, that's an odd name to name your son. Come on, say amen, somebody. But the most significant fact about Methuselah is he lived longer than any person has ever lived on the earth. He lived 969 years. 969 years. If you calculate, if you calculate years according to the ages listed throughout the Genesis chapter 5, you will discover Methuselah, listen to this, Methuselah died the same year the flood came. He died what? The same year the flood came. Now, God did what? He instructed Enoch to name his son Methuselah. Come on, some of y'all can put this together. He died the same year the flood came. He died the same year the flood came. God told him to name his son Methuselah. What does the son's name mean? When he dies, it shall fall. Are you with me out here? Amen. Amen. Before the flood came, Enoch was raptured. Are you with me out here? At the time of the flood, at the time of the flood, think about it now. The ungodly were removed and the godly were left on the earth. Come on, Noah and his sons were in the what? Were in the ark. What happened to the ungodly? What happened to the ungodly? They all died. Enoch seen it. He seen the second coming. Come on, are y'all putting it together? Or they need to go over all of that again? Amen. Amen. You got it, right? You got it, right? Amen. Amen. Go back to Matthew 24, 37. Because notice he's saying, but as in the days of who? In the days of who? Noah were, so shall what? The coming of the Son of Man be. What happened in the days of Noah? What happened in the days of Noah? What happened? The ungodly were removed and the godly what? Remained. Right? So he says here, as in the days of who? Noah. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Okay, y'all got it now? Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. The question is, what, once again, what is the parallel between the events of Noah's day and the second coming of Jesus? The flood of Noah ended one dispensation and began another. When Noah and his family entered the ark, it was one, dispens one dispensation. But when they finally left the ark, another dispensation had begun, folks. When Noah and his family walked out of the ark onto dry ground, there was not one sinner left. All had died in the flood. And for a short time, say short time, a very short time, amen, the entire earth was populated with only believers. Amen. Now, before the flood, what happened? Before the flood, Noah preached. Noah preached to the people to repent. His message was repent, destruction is coming. He said, if you repent, 
You'll go through the destruction and come out on the other side and be able to repopulate the earth. That was his message. Now the best part of it is this. When the destruction has ended, he was telling them, you can start all over again. And only believers will be on the earth. Now the difference is, in Noah's day, God judged the earth by water. But in this next judgment, it will be by fire. Somebody say fire. Let's look at Matthew verse 38, 24, 38. Once again, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were what? They were what? Eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. They was just enjoying life. Life was just happy. Come on. They were what? Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Who were they? They were the unbelievers. They were the what? They were the what? Unbelievers. Now, think about it. None of these activities are sin. Eating is not sin. Drinking is not sin. Getting married is not sin. Well, between a man and a woman, getting married is not sin. Come on, let's get it right now. This is the Bible. What happened was these inhabitants of the tribulation, amen, of this tribulation were trying to live normal lives. They were ignoring the gospel and ignoring the circumstances surrounding them. They've seen all this stuff going on, but they was ignoring it. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, sinners continue to ignore the building of the ark. They've seen this man building the ark. I don't know about you, but I would ask questions. <laughs> Come on, say it again. If you're building a big boat, Ain't nobody ever built a big boat like this. I want to know why you built a big boat. Then when I see them animals walking in, I'm starting to wonder. <laughs> okay, I'll get just me then. I start to wonder. Come on, say amen, somebody. But they continue to ignore the building of the ark, and they continue to ignore the preaching and the prophecies of Noah, folks. And when the day finally came for Noah and his family to enter the ark, guess what? And the rain began to fall, they pulled the door shut. And the sinners began what? Pounding on the door to get in. But once the door is shut, it was what? Too late. In the same way, during the tribulation, people will be eating. Drinking, marrying, giving into marriage. Again, there's nothing wrong with these things, but people will ignore the gospel. They will ignore the gospel being preached, and they, they will ignore the signs, and they will ignore the circumstances that surround in their lives. They ignore all the stuff they see going on in the world, but we're just going to live a life, a happy life. We're going to eat and drink and marry life. We see nothing going on. And while the wrath is being poured out on the earth, I'm talking about they're seeing floods. Come on, I'm talking about they're seeing scorching sun. They're talking about multitudes, multitudes dying, folks. They'll actually see the Antichrist ruling and reigning and putting his mark on hands and foreheads. Yet the unbelievers will continue to attempt to live a normal life like nothing's going on. Look at verse 39. And see, when Jesus returns, no opportunities will remain for them to receive him as Lord and Savior. It'll be what? Too late. Somebody say it'll be what? Too late. Look at verse 39. And they knew not until the flood came and did what? Took them all away. So shall also the what? The coming of the Son of Man. See, the them that were taken away when the flood came were not believers. It says the unbelievers were what? Taken away. The unbelievers were what? Taken away. Verse 40. Then shall two be in the field. Now, this is where people always confuse this scripture right here. 
because they think it's a rapture. But it's not. Then tell, listen now, because remember, there's a difference between a rapture and a second coming. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, and the other what? Left. At the second coming, just as in the days of Noah, the one taken will be the unbeliever. And the one left will be the believer. Just as in the days of Then it says, two women will be grinding at the mill. The one will be what? Taken. And the other what? Left. Again, the one who is taken is the what? The one that is left who is what? Is the believer. Verse 42. Once therefore, you know not what hour your Lord does come. But know this, that the good man of the house had known and what, 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 what watched the thief would come. He would have watched, you would think, and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be you also what? Be you also what? Ready for in such an hour as you think not, not the Son of Man what? Cometh. These, these verses are simply warning that Jesus will return. And although the Pacific day and hour will not be known, the general period or the general time period will be known. Right up until that time, many's going to say, well, maybe Jesus is coming. But I really don't need to be saved right now. I think I'll just put it off. Even after the rapture of the church, people will still have, listen, even after the rapture of the church, people will still have seven more years to get saved. But during the tribulation, some of the parables indicate that at least half of the population will receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Half. Half. Now, at the end of Matthew 24 and continuing on into Matthew 25, remember I said this what? It's a continuation. Jesus shares three parables. How many? What's he doing? He's continuing with the same thought. See, even lizards come to church. He's continuing... He's come to get the word. He's continuing <laughs> with the same thought. <laughs> come on, say amen, somebody. Understand, chapter 25, he has not changed his subject. Tell your neighbor, he has not changed his subject. Now, in context, amen, in chronology of these passages, all three parables will be referring to the second coming of Jesus. The first parable deals with, with servants. The second parable deals with virgins. The third, par the third parable deals with stewards. Come on, say amen, somebody. In each case, some will be good and the others will be bad. Those who are good are believers and those who are bad are unbelievers. Wow, that was a good one, right? <laughs> now, the question is, why will both the good and the bad be called by the same name? Both good and the bad will be called servants. Both good and the bad will be called virgins. Both good and the bad will be called stewards. Come on, say amen, somebody. But just as it is difficult to, to distinguish between the good and the bad fish, the wheat and the tares, the sheep and the goats, so it will be difficult to distinguish between believers and unbelievers until they are closely examined. Amen. During the tribulation, the earth will be filled with essential religion. We'll get them when we study. It'll be a central religion. Satan has created a religion to imitate Christianity. We even see it today. Muslims, like Christians, tell the story of Abraham. But they teach that the chosen son is Ishmael. They also teach that their prophet Muhammad stood in Jerusalem on a mountain and was resurrected into heaven. Come on, say amen, somebody. Others may com compare the similarities of their religion to Christianity. Have you seen that before? Come on, come on. Come on they compare their similarities to that of their, of their religion to what? To Christianity. But understand this. Christianity is real. Other religions are false. 
See, religious people look and talk like Christians. They may even do more good deeds or good work than Christians do. But how a person acts or looks is not the issue here, folks. The issue is what? Whether or not a person has accepted Jesus and believed on him for their salvation, that's the issue. I don't care how many good works you do. Did you receive Jesus? Tell your neighbor, that's the issue. Now let's look at the first parable, verse 45. Now, the first parable deals with the good and evil servant. It says, who then is a faithful and what? Wise servant. For whom his Lord has made what? Rule over his household to give them what? Meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall what? Find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall what? Make him what? Ruler over all his good. At the second coming... The believer will not only be allowed to go into the millennium, but he'll also be rewarded. There'll be rewards for those who come through the tribulation and endure to the end. There'll be what? Rewards. Look at verse 48. But in it that evil servant shall say in his heart. Listen to us now. But if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. And shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. Again, people were eating and drinking in Noah's days, and many, and many probably said, Come on, many probably said in Noah's day, well, well, we'll just wait a little longer before we accept the Lord. We'll just wait a little longer. We want to party one more time. Come on, we want to feel good one more time. We want to satisfy this flesh one more time. We ain't ready right now. Young people, I'll wait till I get older. Y'all had fun when y'all were young. Now you want to stop my fun. Y'all had fun. When I get y'all's age, then I'll get saved. <laughs> oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. Verse 50, it says, the Lord of that servant shall what? Come in a day when he what? Come in a day when he what? Look up not for him, for in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall what? Cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the what? Hypocrites, and there should be what? Weeping and gnashing of the what? Tape. On the day the Lord returns... There will be good servants and bad servants. There will be wise servants and unwise servants. The wise servants will say, I love my Lord, and I have accepted him. That servant will do good things during the tribulation, and he'll go into the millennium and receive the rewards of rulership with Jesus on the earth. Come on, say amen, somebody. But the wicked will say, my Lord delays his coming. And this servant will be what? He'll be removed from the earth and find his portion in hell with the hypocrites where there be weeping and gnashing of the teeth. You got it? Let's look at the second parable. The second parable begins in Matthew chapter 25. Come on. Now, that's why if you look at it, this is a poor place to have chapter division. Because the first word in chapter 25 is then. Then indicating that there is a continuation of thought. Am I right or wrong? Amen. Then is a reference to the second event or the second coming. Just as in the days of Noah, unbelievers will be what? Removed from the earth and believers will be what? Left. There will be two in the field. One will be taken the other one left. One will be taken will be what? The unbeliever. Somebody say unbeliever. There'll be two grinding. One will be what? Taken and the other left. The one that will be taken will be the what? Unbeliever. And the other remainder will be the what? Believer. Let's look at verse 25, chapter 25, verse 1. Come on, are you getting anything out of this? Come on, are you following me? I ain't losing anybody today. Okay. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, 
which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, and five were what? Foolish. Notice all the virgins know the bridegroom is coming, and they go to meeting. Amen? But five of the virgins will be wise, and the other five will be what? Foolish. Now, they know the Lord is coming, but they put off the decision to put their trust in him. The five wise virgins are believers, and the unwise are the what? Un are the what? Unbelievers. Look at verse 3. They that were what? They that were what? Foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their what? With their lamps. What's the difference between the wise and the foolish? Come on. Both look and act like Christians. Both look and act like Christians. But five have oil and five do not. Now both said, Lord, Lord, but the unwise virgins never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Or they never really made him Lord of their life. Now we have many people in our churches today who look and act like born-again Christians. Come on, they volunteer. They shout amen. Run around, glory, hallelujah. But they really never made Jesus Lord of their life. And some of them even not made him Lord and Savior of their life. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, you with me out here. We have many that look like that, folks. They don't know what to do to be saved. But they never accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I believe there are people sitting in congregations today, every Sunday, who keep saying, I know I should get saved, but I think I'll just wait. I know it. But I think I will just wait. But if you're a sinner, guess what? If you're a sinner, there's no guarantee of tomorrow. Let me say it again. If you're a sinner, there is no guarantee. You may not make it to tomorrow. Amen? Now, if these people do not accept Jesus before the rapture, they will still have seven more years to accept him. God's will that all men be saved. Come on, say amen, somebody. But during the tribulation, there will be those waiting for the return of the bridegroom. There will be those what? Waiting for the return of the bridegroom. Some will have accepted him as Lord and Saviors, and others will just keep putting it off. I got time. I'll do that some other time. Come on, say amen, somebody. And people do that today. Come on, amen. Come on, people do that today. Now, the virgins in this, in this passage, or this parable, do not represent the bride. They are not the bride. They represent the friends of the bride. Those in a wedding party waiting for the bridegroom to return. They're what? Friends of the bride and the groom who are waiting for, or the wedding party waiting for what? The bridegroom to what? Return. Let me give you some little history on here. In the day which this parable was, parable was written, wedding customs were different than today. The traditional ceremonies of our day began five to six hundred years ago, and they were instituted by the Catholic Church, the way we get married today. Come on, say amen, somebody. But in biblical time, somebody say biblical time, marriage was an agreement. Basically, it was really a business transaction between the father, the bride, and the groom. <laughs> this is where the dowry came into play. Amen? The father and the groom would do what? They would discuss the terms of the agreement until a settlement was made and a wedding date was determined. Once the wedding date was determined, plans were made for the wedding party. The wedding party didn't occur until after the marriage. All of the friends of the bride, all of the friends of the, of the groom were invited to a celebration 
which took place at the home of the groom. Until the groom came for the bride, she would be preparing herself for the wedding day. When that day finally arrived, the groom went to the home of the bride. Her father would take her by the hand, lead her to the groom, and at that point, they were legally married. Are you listening to me out here? And see, really in the ancient world, marriage was not a ceremony. Marriage was a contract sealed by sex. Say it again. Marriage was a contract sealed by what? Sex. After the father gave the bride to the groom, the groom would then take her to his home. Lead her into the bedchamber. Come on, we're grown folks. Come on. The moment the bride and the groom entered the house, the wedding party followed and they began to celebrate the marriage. Now, while the celebration was taking place, the bride and the groom would have sexual relations to consummate the marriage. Now, the party's going on outside. <laughs> they in the room. <laughs> I don't know if I, we, we would deal with that, you know. You know. <laughs> Come on. See, in the ancient times, these parties could last up to a month, folks. And from time to time, the bride and the groom would join the wedding party to eat and drink. And then they returned back to the bedchamber. <laughs> Remember, they were off for a whole year, folks. They didn't have to work for a whole year. Come on. But as we stated before, every verse of Scripture has an interpretation and many what? Applications. In the portion of Scripture fallen, there are many what? Applications, but they're what? We're studying what? The interpretation. So we can apply this same parable to the body of Christ as the five wise and the five wise are the believers and the unbelievers who are the what? The unwise, those who reject Jesus. But we're studying their interpretation. So following the context of Jesus' teaching here, it says in verse 5, while the bridegroom tarried, they all what? Slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a what? There was a what? Cry made, and behold, the bridegroom, bridegroom cometh, and go and says, "Go you out the what? Go you out the what?" So the cry was made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out the what? Meet him. In Jewish weddings, the bridegroom usually arrived around midnight. Someone, someone accompanying the bridegroom, will run ahead to cry out, "Behold, the bridegroom cometh!" Then they would arise, trim their lamps, go out to meet him, and accompany him to the bride's place. They would go out to meet the bridegroom. Amen. Those that are going out to meet, to meet the bridegroom are not the bride. Are you with me out here? These are what? The friends of the bride and the bridegroom who have been waiting for the return of the bridegroom with his bride. They're ready for a celebration. They're ready for what? Celebration. Look at verse 7. Then all those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are going out. <laughs> but the wise, that's why they're wise, <laughs> answered, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you go, and yes, us and you. But go ye rather to what? To them that sell and buy for your what? Sell. See, the wise versions tell the unwise, listen, there are people preaching for you to get born again. All you need to do is accept that Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Come on, say amen. Why? Because he is your source of supply. 
Come on, say amen. Someone. Go and obtain from the one who is the source of your supply, who is what? Jesus. The decision is yours. Then in verse 10 it says, and while they went to buy, what happened? The bridegroom came. And they that were ready, they that were what? Ready went in with him to the marriage. And once again, notice the door is, the door is, just as in the days of, the door is what? Shut. Just as in the days of Noah. The unwise virgin delayed accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior until there was no longer, there, there, no, there was no, there, 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 listen, there no longer remained an opportunity to receive him. They waited too late. And people today are waiting too late. Because once that door closes, it is over. Look at verse 11. Afterwards came also the other virgin saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. <laughs> he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Once the door was shut, the five foolish virgins who were foolish could no longer enter. Are you with me out here? Now, in the third parable, the theme is repeated, unbelievers and believers. It's repeated. Somebody say repeated. Let's look at the third parable. Are you with me now? So you're seeing this, right? It says, for the kingdom of heaven is a man traveling into a far country. Who called his own servant and delivered unto him his what? Goods. Unto one he gave what? Five talents. To another what? Two. To another what? One. To every man according to his several ability. And straightways took his journey. Now the talents given to each servant, in context of what we're reading, what Jesus was talking about in the second coming, right? In context... Amen. Glory to God. Well, we're reading the talents. Come on. Let me make sure I'm right now. Represents the receiving and sharing of the gospel. The talents what? Represent what? Each servant was given talents according to his ability. Amen. See, each person is unique. Each person is individual. The individual that was given five talents who produced five additional talents will not be more greatly rewarded than the servant who was given two talents and who produced additional two talents. The rewards are going to be the same. God gives each man what he knows that individual can handle. Verse 16. Then he that had, had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other what? Five talents. And likewise, he that had received what? The two. And he also gained what? Of the two. But he that received the one went and did what? Went and digged in the earth and hid the Lord's money. Now the servant who was given the one talent was an unbeliever. He was a what? Unbeliever. This individual, he heard the gospel, but did not receive it. Instead, he buried it. Now, the other two servants, they what? Heard the gospel and they what? Received it. Amen? Then they shared the gospel with others. Then in verse 19, it says, And after a long time, the Lord of those servants does what? Does what? He cometh. And reckon it with them. Reckon it with them. Give an account. In other words, that's an accounting turn. One day the Lord's going to reckon with us. The Lord returns. The Lord returning, once again, is not in reference to the rapture here. It's a reference to the second coming. Because some will go through the what? Tribulation. 
And they will do what? They will receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they will win souls. And some will not. Verse 20. So he that received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. And the Lord said unto him, Well done. Ain't that what we want to hear? Isn't that what we want to hear? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee what? Ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. That's all we want to hear when we get to heaven, folks. But we're not talking about us right now. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is in reference to the millennium. It's in reference to what? To the millennium reign. Rulers over many things refer to the rewards given during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. There will be rewards handed out. Verse 22, he also that received the two talents came and said, Lord, thou delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I gave what? Two other talents beside them. And his Lord said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over what? A few things I will make thee what? Ruler... Over many things entered down into the what? The joy of the Lord. They received the same rewards. But because of what the servant has done with the talents, come on, they were given the same reward because why? Of what they received from the Lord and what they did with it. Amen? Because of that, the Lord's going to do what? He's going to make them what? Ruler over what? Many things in the millennial reign. Look at verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent. Here come this foolish person again. He that received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not straw. He really messed up when he said, I knew thee, because evidently he didn't know him. You have a lot of people say, I know him, but they don't know him. He says, and I was afraid. And I went and did what? Hid my talent in the earth. Lo, there has that is thine. He's right here. Notice this servant tried to return the talent, folks. The other two servants had received the talents, invested them, and received more. Come on, say amen, somebody. However, this servant took the talent, and immediately buried it in the ground. In other words, he heard gospel and rejected it. He heard the gospel and what? Rejected it. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Amen? He heard it. When the Lord returned, what did the servant say? I heard rumors about you, Lord. I heard you are hard and you're harsh. I heard you are mean. And you reap where you haven't sown. And you harvest where you haven't planted. And that is why I didn't receive you. Come on, say amen, somebody. Even today, we hear unbelievers say, why I wouldn't serve God? Or why would I serve our God? Here, listen to believers. They say, why would I serve our God who causes people to starve in the streets? Why would I serve a God that would bring Irma and Maria? Because they don't know him. See, they are given the truth about his goodness. They're giving the truth about his character, and he, they're giving the truth about his desire for them to be saved, but they refuse to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Look at verse 26. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou what? Thou what? Wicked and slothful servant, thou knew that I reap where I sow not, and gather where I have hot straw. Thou ought have therefore did what? Put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming, then at my coming, 
I should have received my own with usury. Come on, what do you say to the servant? The least you could have done is receive salvation for yourself. That's the least you could have done. But you didn't even do that. The other ones, they got saved, but they did still share the gospel with somebody else. Come on, they got other people saved, but you didn't even get yourself saved. You dug a hole in the ground and buried your talent and then tried to give it back to me. Verse 28. Take, therefore, the talent from him and give it up to him, which what? Has ten talents. For unto everyone that have shall be what? Everyone that has shall be what? Given. And he shall have abundance. But from him that has not shall be taken away even that which he has. And cash you the what? Where? Darkness. Where there be what? Weeping and gnashing of the teeth. Notice in the first parable we had one good one and one evil one. All right? Amen? In the parable of ten virgins, there were five wise and five foolish virgins. Right? In each case, half were wise, believer, and half were unbelievers. In the third parable, two of the three servants accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The first two parables seem to indicate at least half of all people alive during the tribulation will come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The third parable indicates two-thirds will receive him as their Lord and Savior. And throughout chapters 24 and 25 of Matthew, Jesus has been teaching parables. Somebody say parables. What is a parable? A parable is simply a story about the truth. Let me say it again. A parable is simply a what? Story about the truth. Using natural and a natural and the natural analogies to teach a truth. Using what? Natural analogies to teach the truth. In the very next verse. Jesus shifts from speaking in parables to speaking of events as they will actually occur. And we'll get into that next Sunday. All heads bow, eyes closed in prayer. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you glory. Father, we give you honor. We exalt you.